Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. What have you been up to outside of work? I have turkey hunted almost every weekend, everywhere. I can. You've been trying to get me to go like, hey, what are you doing Thursday morning? I'm like, going to work, Hunter. Yeah. That's what I'm doing Thursday <laughs> well, I don't start work. They put me on late shift, so like, I don't start till 9.30 on some days. So I can hunt in the morning for two hours hey, before I got to be to work. Pretty boy. I, I'm your guy. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> well, turkey season's over now, but now I know. It's too but, late now, yeah. Yeah, those, those birds we killed the other morning were Friday morning before yeah. work. Yeah, I know, because you nice. called me like, hey, what are you doing Friday? Like, you know, you, know, you no, could have called somebody else to go turkey hunting on a Friday. Yeah, Briar don't work Fridays either. Well, there you <laughs> go. <sighs> nice but, thing is now, too, with me, I've never experienced this before. It's if I know on a Thursday, I can take my laptop home, and then I can work from home on a Friday. Granted, you know, that means I still have to work at some point during the day, but... Don't want to go hunting. In oh, right I'm now. telling you, they still have us remote when deer season kicks in. Oh, it's on, Jack. We're getting Wi-Fi at hunt camp. <laughs> I'm going to live there from like September. After I shoot a deer down here, I'll be in Georgia for the he rest says, of the I'm year. I'm getting an air card for that laptop. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be great. I have... up there in the tree stand, camera on the right, laptop on the left. Yeah, they're like, why are you in camouflage every day? I'm like, I'm on my lunch Don't break. Don't ask questions. I'm, I'm on, on my lunch break. break. <laughs> <laughs> I have a meeting tomorrow at noon. That This is going to sound really terrible, but like during things like turkey season or right prime in the middle of deer season, I try not to do that so I can scoot for Georgia. But because I'm taking off Saturday morning, I was like, well, you're never really going to be able to go to Georgia. Except... I've had three close encounters of turkeys, two of which I could have dropped the hammer. One I didn't because it was, it would have been tough ethically. Like I just didn't quite have the shot. And the other one, I was trying to put the other guy on the shot uh-huh. for ninety minutes. Watched monster gobbler, and all I've been thinking about all week is there anything I could somehow do. I would drive up all night just to get one more morning and it's not going to happen. I just, I can't do it. I wouldn't be here today. If I thought, if I honestly thought that I could get all the way back from camp and still make that noon me, I'd probably push it. I probably should have left tonight because 
I know where that some bitch is. <laughs> I'll be zoom. I'll be zoom calling. Hey, set no. the laptop up. <laughs> Can't. It's got to be personal. But virtual background. Yeah. yeah. Tell like that story man, that's a podcast. that's a new that's a new backdrop. Is that is that like in the system? Oh no, this one's uh my backdrop. It literally, I'll be in the middle of like a logging road with the woods behind me. <laughs> Do like, that, do like that guy on TikTok and get one of those uh, like green screens that hangs yeah. behind you. <laughs> yeah, <I've seen laughs> have, you have you seen the ones the guy that's talking about like working remote and it's got the the fans going and it's got his mouse and it's just spinning the mouse so it keeps, <laughs> <laughs> the cursor keeps moving. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, when your boss is like, "Why have you been offline for the last six hours?" <laughs> you look up and your mouse is unplugged. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, you seen the one on TikTok where the guy's wife is working from home, so he gets a green suit and he keeps walking oh, across walks her virtual him. backgrounds, handing her things. I've seen that. Like <laughs> I've well, seen that. Just a floating head walking through the green screen. No, he has it's like a full face. It's like a floating oh, coffee so cup, and he comes and sets down. Oh, yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like a coffee cup just comes and sits on the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's quite comical. <clears throat> but you know, we're here this week to bring you the last series of turkey stories because turkey season's over in Georgia or in Florida. We've got maybe one or two more weekends left in Georgia, and I mean our seasons here in Florida open up early and they close earlier than the rest. You, you've got states that just now are starting to open up turkey season, uh, but it's been warm here for a while, and those birds have been mating since uh, March in some cases. Before, before season starts. Yeah. Two weeks before season starts. I had strutters on camera. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it's come to a close. Close last weekend in Florida? The weekend before that? Uh, in our zone up here. I think it was uh, I think it was two weekends ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's closed now. Yep. I didn't hunt at all. You did to die. Nope. I, I hunted a lot. A whole lot. <laughs> Well, that's why we have. I, I did. I did kill a bird, though, so that's good. So before we kick this off, I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jordan with me. I'm here. Let's do it, Jim. Yes, sir. Briar. How y'all? And Hunter Rotarius, the turkey killer, Florida boy outfitters. Hey, I've, hey. I've seen more dead turkeys come across your page in the last. <laughs> I know, man. I'm like, damn, Hunter, it's slaying them this year. We've been yeah. trying. We've been trying to get after him. I uh. I had a dry spell there for a little while. I had three or four years in a row where I didn't kill a bird in Florida. And that, I mean, not from a lack of trying. I still hunted just as much. But um, I finally decided to bring my dad with me one morning. I think that's the ticket. The crutch. Yeah, he's got he's got like a golden horseshoe up there, you know what I mean? But <laughs> you can drop him off in the middle of downtown Orlando and he'll have a couple long beards killed. Hey, I've seen turkeys. Right by the convention center in Orlando. They're everywhere. They're, I mean, it. they're everywhere but where you can hunt them now. If you're yeah. noticing that, I've been talking to some guides, local guides and stuff, and they've been telling me that the birds are just not, they're just not there like they are, usually are. There was a post, it's not turkeys, but on Facebook or something where they're talking about geese. Like, where are geese? <laughs> They're everywhere. They're probably in your closet right now. <laughs> you know, that is the. In fact, I got blown out one morning in Georgia. I had a bird in a finger of woods. 
and uh, danced with him. That was the one I didn't take because the unethical shot, and then Hens lured him away after about an hour. Went back out there the next day, and just some migratory bunch of geese going through Georgia decided to come in and land in the field across the street. And, man, when geese are coming in and they're coming in thick, there could have been a turkey on the other side of a tree screaming his head off. You wouldn't hurt him. But in reality, they probably just shut the whole woods down because I don't think turkeys are used to hearing that very often. Not like that. It had I, taken a lot for me to not just completely wax those geese. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we have, where we are hunting on my lease in Georgia, there's a couple, like, big ponds, and we hold some geese here and there. And they'll fly over, and the turkeys will shot gobble at them. Oh, man, turkeys don't shot gobble at nothing. Because it's just loud enough. Like, it's just loud like that. I don't know if it's just a high pitch or what, but it'll make them gobble. You know, I heard an interesting theory the other day, and I would like to believe this is this is true. Because a lot of people say, you know, they're not hearing the amount of gobbles they heard in the woods five years ago. And that the numbers are declining, and that's what they're equating it to. And it's, I mean, it's factual that turkey numbers are on the decline across a lot of the U.S. But there is a theory posed that the reason we're not hearing turkeys gobble as much as they used to is not because the numbers are declining, but because the hen population has increased. And gobblers don't gobble when they're covered in hens. They don't need to. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the only reason they're ever gobbling is to bring hens know, to, to attract them. those right. hens to them. That's why, in reality, turkey turkey hunting is backwards. If you're the hen, you're calling to the gobbler right, and you're trying to make him commit to come across a field or come to wherever you're at. In nature, it's the opposite. He gobbles, you come. The hen right. comes to the gobbler. The gobbler doesn't come to the hens for the most part. But they will follow the hens after they get, you know, quote unquote, hinned up. But like, they will, that's, I mean, that's just how they communicate. That's how it is for Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for something that really blows my mind every year. So my lease in Georgia has zero pressure on turkeys. Like they're, they do not get hunted besides me and I hunt them maybe two weekends out of the year just because I I take so many trips during deer season it's hard to get up there during the spring but um spring and summer are my saving months so (laughs) but um it's crazy to me how different the birds are so like in Florida I got a 30 acre piece to hunt it's not really pressured either but there's a lot more human activity around and there's a lot more hens as well compared to on my lease in Georgia. Some I hunted every single morning for a week in Florida, every single day. On Monday, turkey gobbled about five times. Hit the ground, silent. Never saw him, never anything. Tuesday, never heard the first gobble. And I know that turkey's in there. He's in there every day. Wednesday, nothing again. So I'm like, man, I'm not even getting up on Thursday. And 9 a.m., got two long beards, you know, on a feeder. On Outside your window. Yeah, I mean, they're just gobbling his head off. I got a vi- literally a video of two two coming in underneath the feeder on the other side of the property, strutting, full strut, gobbling their brains out. And then Friday, same thing. Birds gobble all morning long, get them to 100 yards. Just something wasn't right. It just blows my mind how different they are day to day. And the weather plays a big role. Wind just about anything but then in georgia georgia is the to me hunting 
Georgia turkeys is a blast because the ones on this place gobble and they gobble and they gobble and they gobble and they gobble. But we need to bring some of your turkeys over to meet my turkeys because our turkeys, I, I, uh-uh. it's insane. <laughs> I took my brother. Um, but we're loaded with hens. Yeah. We don't have a whole, we have, I'd say it's almost one to one. Us, man. We got maybe two to one. In, in deer season, we'll see flocks 30 deep. Oh yeah. No, we don't have Good any Lord. flocks like that. But I took my little brother out and tried to kill his first bird in Georgia a couple weekends ago. And he'd rather turkey hunt than deer hunt just because it doesn't take as long. And there's something going on. You can talk back and forth somewhat, you know, whatever. But uh, I I would not be exaggerating to say that we got on the first bird right at daylight and he gobbled 150 times. Yeah. I'm talking. Jeez. And he was just, he was down in a, down on the bottom in a flat in a strut zone and he was just back and forth back and forth back and forth and finally we got close enough to him i don't know if he saw us or what which we'd sat there for so long i was like well we either make a break now try to get in the you know get in his zone where he's gonna break and come to us or something so i don't know if we boogered him up or not 15 minutes 20 minutes goes by we go up to a high spot take my box call out And my brother looks at me, he's like, one just gobbled. I said, I didn't hear it. Usually if he hears it, I don't hear it. I don't know if he's, his ears are playing tricks <laughs> on him or not. But So I said, all right, well, let's sit down. <laughs> turkey gobbles. I said, yep, you're right. He's about 250 yards away. Totally different turkeys on the other side of this piece of property. So we go through these planted pines, and those turkeys sit there and gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble. <laughs> and they just wouldn't break. I don't know what it was. And I didn't have like a a strutter fan or nothing with me to try to ease up on them, which in reality, they probably would have bum rushed me if I come around the corner with a strutter. That's what I was talking to Jim about that. I met Jim for lunch the other day and I was talking to Jim about that. I said, I got a a fan at the house that I've just, I I spread it out and salted it and I'll carry it with me. Like that one over there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like that one. I have one of those. If you watch, um, Waddell, Love Waddell. Love I love watching him turkey hunt because he's so aggressive and he he does the beating the decoy against trees and flopping yeah. around and those turkeys get all fired up. But I got one just like the decoy setup that he has, and it's just real light, so I can just fold it all up, throw it in my pack, like the back of the fan hangs out. But I just didn't bring it that morning. I didn't think we were gonna need it. Of course, <laughs> but <laughs> so. I pro- I probably would have, we might have gone three for three if I'd had, didn't, didn't bring it the first time, didn't bring it the second time, didn't bring it the third time. Yeah, we're going, we're going, I'm going heading back up there this weekend, this will be the last weekend I get to hunt all year, but um, I got some new Avian X decoys, I have a pretty good idea where those birds are roosting at, I'm going to get in there before dark, or before daylight, way before daylight and set up. We fully expect you to go ahead and just kill another turkey. Well, you better hope my brother kills one because if he misses or whatever, I will shoot one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll follow him up for sure. But that's that's the main goal is to get him on a bird because if I can get him on a bird, that'll be a Rotarius slam. Everyone in my household will kill a turkey this year. Yeah, man. Tell tell me about this because how many how many people have you put on turkeys this year? Seems like everybody take hunting. 
Let me, yeah, everybody but myself. <laughs> but no, I got one. But um, so I can just break it down quickly and then we can always go back to it. But so I started down in South Florida um, with some buddies, my buddy Dylan Isom and his dad Dennis. Um, they invited me down to hunt some public with them way before our season opens, like down South Florida, like Stewart. Yeah. Um, I, it's on public management area that was just general access. So there was um, 28 trucks I counted from the gate to where we got out of the truck. Two. 28. And, that, and that's no one by themselves. You know, it's not one person. It's at least two to a vehicle. So you got a lot of pressure. Um, those turkeys don't gobble. Like maybe one, maybe one time, like we heard one gobble and I wasn't even sure if it wasn't a dude on a Primos, you know, gobbler tube because it sounded funny, but comes back to what you're talking about earlier about, you know, not hearing the gobbles. Social media has boomed public land. Like period. Any hunting on public land has blown up. I mean, I've never, I've never done a whole lot of public land hunting because I've always been blessed with a place to hunt on private. But when I go hunt public land, I love it first of all because that's the that's the freest place you can possibly be. It doesn't cost a dime. The only thing you pay with is your effort. That's one thing that I love about public land. But to see how many people <laughs> were in there, and it wasn't even like it was opening weekend. We're two weekend. It was like second or third weekend of season. And there was 50 guys, 60 guys, and that's just in one access road. So there's no telling how many are spread out throughout the whole thing. But um, I, I talked to a couple of kids that, that are friends with my buddy that we just talked about hunting and whatever. They said they haven't heard turkey gobble all year. All, all year long. And that blew my mind. I was like, geez. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, social media, so let me clarify, it's not a bad thing that it's pushed public land no. to be busy, and I don't know that. So I that's mean, that's kind of whole, that's your R, your R3. R3 is a double-edged sword. Yeah. Right, but it doesn't, uh, it cuts a good way in both ways. We see more people on the landscape, but the more people you bring around to identify as a hunter or even if they they choose not to be not to hunt anymore past the one time you go but now they understand why you do what you do bigger community right more people on our side of the fence period the other thing you were mentioning is they're down by stewart and the population center there it's bananas oh yeah when i when i make a couple trips down to like go to corbett (laughs) i mean I love the fact that the guys can drive the big buggies and things through there because there needs to be a place to do that. Mm-hmm. But you got the guys driving the, the swamp buggies. Then you've got just hordes of side by side folks. You got people with jeeps. Then you got people walking. You got people with dogs. You got people without dogs. You got airboats. You got air. I mean, I mean just about everything. <laughs> like I, like a war zone. Well, deer get killed out of there every year. I'm sure oh, yeah. somebody's actually managed to take a turkey out of there. But good lord. There's just so many people, and, and it's it's 10 minutes away from a million people. I mean, it makes what we've got up here seem pretty sparse. Yeah. So I, I kind of wonder, <clears throat> is it social media? 
I mean, I'm sure it doesn't help if you're trying to be sparse, but man, I don't know how much more of a boost it needs with as many people as are down there. I was going to say, that's one thing that kind of ag- has aggravated me in the past few years is that Ocala, what was it, William, after the past how many days? It used to be after the first 10 days it was yeah. open. So you had a permit for the first 10 days, and then after that it was open. Ocala is fully permitted now. The whole forest. Yeah. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, that's that's crazy. just a crock of crap to me. Because, I, I mean, if the forest had been open, I'd have been getting home from work and, and, and going putting birds mm. roosts and stuff. I mean, I mean, it's 20 minutes from the house. Yeah, not yeah. even that. I think that is probably, after we had the folks from, which we need to get back in again, the ladies from the Forest Service in, mm-hmm. I'll bet that that is purely to reduce traffic just in general. Like we just can't have it open because it's so easy to get in and there's so many roads, right? Oh, it's massive. That, and and it's, you got Ocala, Orlando. It's not that far from Tampa. I mean, it's just not that far from so many places that everybody piles in there. But it just sucks for the people that live like right there near it. It's your backyard. Yeah. 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 But you should, but you should have people that live right next door to it that you have permission to go in. Well, and, and no, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that literally. Yeah, so I know, that. but like you know, you know how that goes. Trying to get permission off people. I mean, I tried it. Me and Hunter did it after what Hunter had his piece, and I tried to get people around him for the longest oh, time. And it was like, nope. And I, I mean, and I won't even lie. The one piece of got fell on my lap. I mean, it's not like I did anything out of the ordinary to get it. It's just knowing somebody that knows somebody that is willing to let you go and. I create I created a relationship with the landowner years before I knew that he even owned that land. I had no idea. Found out years after we helped him build a barn when I was in summers working with my grandpa, stuff like that. We went to his kids' birthday parties. Like we got close with him and then three years ago he's like talking to my grandpa and blah blah blah. He's like, Yeah, that property I have over there on the river and I'm like Ping! hold on a second. Wait, 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 property wait, wait, on the property river on it don't matter river. if it's five acres it don't matter if it's 30 acres i don't even know what river he was talking about <laughs> it didn't matter <laughs> he's like property yeah so i talked to him he's like yeah i don't care treat it like it's yours so I'll I'd put a house on it right <laughs> hey, homestead that sucker i already thought about pulling my camper out there but <laughs> put some utilities in your name <laughs> but but the another thing you got to think about that I lose sight of is the fact that Florida is the only place in the United States of America that you can kill an Osceola turkey. Yeah, I get that. So you get... And it's not even Florida in general. It's, it's what, like, south of... They even say that Ocala could have the Merriam. Eastern. Or Eastern, yeah. But I'm telling you right now, I've killed a handful. And if, if I could put two of them next to each other you cannot tell me which one's an eastern and which one's an osceola for sure because they're i mean you gotta think about it the only thing dividing them is an imaginary line you don't think an eastern will breed with an osceola well so well they will there's a lot there's a lot of guys that say the osceola is a myth it's just an eastern turkey yeah i disagree because when you've killed when you you go up you go up to georgia you go up to kentucky and you kill a bird there and then you when you i'm telling you where we live we have osceolas in, in where I live, there are Osceolas. <laughs> They're tall, lanky. 
They so, got no, no, giant no. spurs. Here's, here's the thing. <laughs> giant spurs, but short little stubby ass legs yep. and long beards. I've, right? I've heard that. And dark the, wings. The, the difference, the, what makes an Osceola look different than Eastern is the fact that the Osceola lives in the swamp. It's black. They, they just their environment around them, they, they've evolved to adapt to their environment around them. That, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of like uh, you catch a bass out of Blackwater Creek. He's black. There's no green on him. Yeah. It's, they just adapt. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the concept behind it. But, like, that one I shot this year, my little sister shot a Jake right next to me. His wings were black. Like, when I say black, they were black. The bird that I killed that was a year older than that Jake, his wings had a lot of white. And it, it's like one of those things, it's like, how can you, you can't prove it. Like I see, every, I see every hunting season. It drives me. It, it, I laugh because I'm like, first of all, there's a whole bunch of grown men that are arguing about it. <laughs> Florida and Hunters Network. An is this insane a, amount. Is this an eastern? Is this an eastern or an Osceola? Dude, who cares? Did Doesn't you have matter. a great hunt? Did you? Yeah. Did your blood get pumping? Absolutely. Like I, I've, maybe it's because I haven't done a grand slam. I got my eastern. I got my Osceolas. I've never, you know, tried to kill a Rio or tried to kill. There's not much trying with Rios. But it's just like I've never understood it. So Hunter, if you if you like turkeys that gobble, and we all do, Rio they start gobbling at thirty minutes before sunup. Oh yeah. They gobble at eight o'clock, ten o'clock, two in the afternoon, four o'clock, gobbling their way to the tree, gobbling in the tree, sun's going down. They're still gobbling. Those I mean, they kind of, those are my kind of never turkeys. shut up, man. Sounds, I don't know how there's still Rios left. Sounds like your neighbor's annoying rooster more than it yeah. sounds oh, like it's I, awesome. I've gotten to the point now where, like I said, I lent the last couple of seasons, didn't kill a bird. Man, I, did, I could care less to squeeze the trigger on turkeys. If they gobble and they're responding to my calls, and it's like, especially when they start to get closer and you feel that, Dum 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 dum. That heart starts pounding. Oh man, I'm good. And I'm, I mean, y'all know me. I'm a diehard whitetail guy. It's hard to beat a good turkey morning in the woods. So I got, I got to tell a funny story that that we talked about the easterns and the Osceolas. For some reason, that sparked a memory in my mind. We were supposed to have Jay Stone in here with us tonight, but he had a freezer mishap and couldn't make it. All his meat's gone. Oh, moment of silence. Okay, now we move on. <laughs> um, but last year, I was Jay lives his house backs up this big cow pasture on 441, right there where the Publix is in Stony Brook. And there, you've seen the rope dragger that wanders around out there. Yeah, Jay's a big turkey. He's like, I gotta kill that turkey. So like I got a fair way to get out there and kill that turkey. He's just going on and on and on and on and on. Well, Jordan drove past one day, and the turkey got hit by a car. <laughs> so he picked it, it up. Yeah. I got a, I got, oh, I got the fan to it, the wings, the legs, and the spurs at my house. So <laughs> I sent a picture. I drove past that sucker, and I didn't even realize it at first. Like I drove past it, and it clicked. Like that was a gobbler. So I whipped the work truck around my, real quick. My my, <laughs> like I'm talking about. I slammed on the brakes to get in the turn lane. Yeah. <laughs> And I turned my 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 laborers like, what's wrong? I was like, there's a dead gobbler on the side of the road. <laughs> and so I did a Yui, picked it up, threw it in the bed of the truck, and drove home. Well, he sent a picture to me, and I said, where'd you find that? He said, right outside Stony Brook. I said, oh, 
That's Jay's. I said, that's Jay's turkey. So <laughs> I sent the picture to Jay. I said, I said, my brother got the Stony Brook Gobbler. He's like, what? How did how did he kill that bird? <laughs> <laughs> I let him go on about it for a minute. I was like, he found it dead on the side of the road, got hit by a oh, car right out there on the edge of the cow pasture. Well, you know, I find it amazing that people hit deer and drive away. Dude. Oh man, that's that's free. If I hit a turkey with my truck, oh, I, Dominus Nobiscum, thank you very much. What have I done to deserve this? It's so good eating, right? I mean, though I have because I will stop for a roadkill deer almost every time. Oh, I've stopped for one or two roadkill turkeys. Nope, they. The shelf life on a roadkill turkey is probably about thirty seconds, and they go bad. I it think. does not take there, long. There's still something like twenty states that you can't. It's illegal to harvest roadkill. Yeah, I don't live in one of them. Hey, does bear count in that roadkill thing? In Florida? Yeah, absolutely not. it. Can't get them. Because I'd just sit on the side of 19 and wait for one to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> so they some of those, and, and that actually applies to like the majority or all protected species across the U.S. If you hit something, something like that gets hit, they're not going to let you keep it because they don't want people doing it just purposefully running into them yeah. for nefarious, species, or nefarious reasons. So, it's uh, but man, I I can't believe like you talk about not being able to take roadkill, and I think specifically of big game, right? Like you, you get hit, you hit a deer, and then it's illegal to take that deer and throw it in the bed of your pickup truck and drive off with it. I I think that's something morally wrong. That's asinine. They're de- now, they're already dead. Now let me clarify this though. I don't think that in that instance, if you are going to take roadkill, you should completely, um, to the best of your ability, remove the carcass from the roadway. Oh yeah, you take. You take right, the whole I, I'm thing not. I'm not. Well, yeah, well, I don't want to say. That. I'm not going to say you have to take everything, the whole thing. Because if I if I find the front half of a deer that got creamed by a semi, I'm not going to load up half a deer in the truck. Because that's just nasty. But what you're trying to avoid by doing that is is the gourmet butchering on the side of the highway. You're cutting in, you know, cutting back straps, whatever. Else. Which I'm not saying is that's a lot of what you're getting out of roadkill. But you take the deer, you're going to do that too, and drag it off of the road, the side of the road, and down into the ditch or away so that your buzzards aren't getting hit, your possums aren't getting hit, all the other stuff's not getting run yeah. by a car too. Well, you're not causing more vehicle just, animal vehicle collisions. Yeah, it's creating. I mean, especially in Florida, you know, the Florida drivers. But that will create, like, first of all, it creates more additional damage, regardless whether it's the deer itself or, like you said, another animal eating on the deer, buzzards, whatever. If you're going to pick it up, just throw it in the truck. Well, like I just said, what, 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 if it's a, what if it's a deer that just got creamed by a semi? I'll probably drag it in the ditch. I mean, if it's bad enough to where it's I pretty tenderized. Put, if I can't grab, you know, three legs and throw it in the truck i'm probably not taking it no man when i walk and i've got a bunch of them but when i show up man if the guts are all blown out i can't do it or i mean some of them you just look at it if especially if they catch it in the front shoulder i guess it kind of depends man some of them you just you know right away that fully half of that deer is just you're wasting your time it's all gonna be rough oh but then the other half sometimes can be Pristine. Yeah, you get the back hams off of it. I was, just, uh, yeah. Me and Jordan were witness to the absolute perfect roadkill scenario. <laughs> was it last summer? 
don't know what you're talking Who's about. Was that the fence? The doe. On the oh fence. yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, last, it was summer. last summer, dude. We were so like three we were, counties we were down. just out. We we're just out cruising dirt roads in the side by side. We we're up at the hunting camp, and a doe jumped out of the road in front of us. Almost hit her the with the ranger. Yeah, he slammed on the brake. She runs down the road twenty yards. She goes to jump back across the left side of the road and hit a fence and broke her neck. That's fresh as it gets, bro. I, I was like, just she's like laying neck, there, man. Well, she all was, the meat, good. She was laying there and she was still kind of flopping. I was like, hey, maybe she knocked herself unconscious. Let's just drive off and we'll come back and see if she's still here. We go, we're gone for another fifteen or twenty minutes. Come back and she's still laying there, breathing. Her, yeah, her oh. eyes have done rolled back around in her head now, and she's you know conscious, but can't move. Yeah. So we put her down, took her back to camp. Well, you called George first off, DNR. yeah, yeah, I called George first DNR. off. I called DNR, and I was like, hey. I told him what happened, and I was like, uh, it's just laying here. It's alive, but it can't move because his neck's broke. And the guy's like, shoot it and take it home. I don't care. I was like, okay. I had something somewhat similar happen. I got a call one time in my neighborhood that a deer got hit, and I ran out there, and there's a deer laying on the side of the road, and there's a mailbox like just snapped off at the post. <coughs> And the deer's in fantastic shape. And I, I thought, I was like, oh, man, somebody hit this deer and then somehow managed to ran over this guy's mailbox and didn't do anything with it. I take it home and you, know, you peel the hide off and you figure that's where you're going to find out that, oh, it got hit. Per- I know what happened. That deer was hauling ass from a car and went smack into that mailbox and hit it hard enough to oh. clean the mailbox. <laughs> clean the mailbox Special right delivery. off. The- yeah. <laughs> Killed it. So- Death by mailbox. I'm telling you. The neighborhood deer... Just, but I tell you, built different. When we, <laughs> when we when we put that deer in the back of that yeah, ranger, you know, and like stuffed it down there around the cooler and everything is in the back. We're driving back, and Jordan goes, "You know that saying? They're like, name something that's illegal that feels like it's illegal, even though it's not." I was like, "Oh yeah, definitely, right now. Yeah. Feels, this feels <laughs> very illegal. It's like you're looking over your shoulder, but you don't need to." Yeah, <laughs> I was. No, yeah, I was looking over my shoulder for sure because I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. We can attest to this. We were three counties over. Oh, yeah. We, we'd made quite a ride in the Ranger. Yeah. It was like a 30-minute drive back. And the Ranger does 60 miles an hour. It was like a 30-minute drive back to camp. With, like, just legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I can tell you, there's locals up there don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Man. <laughs> They're like, Nothing oh, there goes here, the Florida boys again. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, somebody's going to call the cops on us. <laughs> yep. Luckily, I just popped her in the back of the head with a twenty-two Magnum, loaded her up, and took her back to camp. Yeah. You so you guys all? I don't know if I'm the only one that like really goes and gets roadkill, but I've served yeah, roadkill at Thanksgiving, Jim. Yeah, I haven't had I haven't gotten the calls like I used to, but um, once there was like a network of people that knew I would get it, I had more deer than I could I could use. I was I'd give it away, right? I'd butcher it, and make it, put a uh, vacuum seal it, and give it away. So you start getting these calls, and one time I'm all well, I'm still wearing a suit and tie. I get the call. I'm gonna go check it out. There's a deer dead on Sweetwater Boulevard. I go rolling up, take a look at the deer, and as I as I get to the deer, the deer's head. <laughs> Same similar to your fence thing where the the back legs are broke. I mean, it broke its back, but the deer's still alive. Oh boy. I'm st- standing there in a suit with a white shirt and a blue tie. I remember. And there's all the cars like waiting at the stoplight to pull out. So uh, at the time I was driving a Lexus, I wander back, whoosh, 
grab the knife. <laughs> like, but have to be like real careful about it too, because I'm, I'm, I'm wearing, I'm wearing wingtips, man. <laughs> Don't want no red spots on the on the white shirt. Nope. So, then just wander. I hate to say it, I wander back to the car, listen to the news for a little while, <laughs> wander yeah. back out there, and dragged it, uh, dragged it off and, and threw it. I actually had a savage rifle box in the truck and spread it out and dumped it on top of that so my truck wouldn't get or my bed wouldn't trunk wouldn't get so bad but sure enough man a guy named blake newman who i used to work with as a lifeguard way back in the day i didn't even knew he lived in this neck of the woods all of a sudden i get a text was that you throwing a deer in the back of alexis (laughs) (laughs) love it yep i think i've eaten more roadkill hog than i have roadkill deer Absolutely, because it wasn't nothing to hit to hit hogs out there. At least in and where we were hunting in Georgia, golly, I think we ran over, ran them over like four or five times. Was that was that story that when you and Dad had that saw that one get hit that night? Oh no, we hit it. it oh, it you hit, hit us it. first. Yeah, we were cruising in town one. I can't remember. We going to town for something, and uh, it was like out of nowhere. There's some like soybeans on one side of the field, and then next thing you know. Like, out of the corner of your eye, you see, like, ten hogs come barreling out into the road. And it wasn't like we hit them head on. It was like they hit the side of the truck, and then we ran over them with the back tires. And we hit, like, a sow and some piglets and stuff. And then you look in the rearview mirror, and you watch this little, like, Honda Civic behind us literally almost just, like, jump over the sow. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it was like you saw the headlight. The headlights had to have gone up, like, pointed Almost straight up, like a, <laughs> and it was like, oh my god, that was bad. And so we pull over, and the Civic pulls over, or whatever little car it was a little car like that. And uh, we're like picking up the piglets and stuff. And this lady's like, my dad's like, I don't want that. And it was a little, it was a black lady and her husband, and she's like, my dad's like, you want it? And her husband's like, yeah, 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 we'll take it, we'll take it. So my dad got out one of those big, like, 50-gallon trash bags and put it and laid it out in the trunk of her car. And then me and my dad picked the <laughs> sow up and stuck it on top of the trash bag. And we put it in the trunk of her car. She's like, you hurt my car. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> like a big, you said it was a bunch of piglets, so like a big, wet sow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we took the piglets. Yeesh. I mean, they weren't, like, that little. They were, you know, eating size. A, a 14, 14 inches long. No, that's Ten, awesome. Perfect, yeah, perfect eating size. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah throw them on the grill hole. Full, whole. Yeah. No, I was, on a smoker. I was concerned about the wet sow. Like I, everybody well, worries about the home, so. everybody worries about the boars. Not that I've eaten a whole bunch of them, but I've not run into the problem. But I did get into a wet sow. It was just, just not right. No, <laughs> nope. So I don't know. It could have just been whatever that pig was eating, but even cleaning the thing because they just. Just full of milk and I mean, yeah, but p- p- pigs are pretty gnarly as it is, you know. But with all t- the udders. How long? Do, how long does a, does a sow a sow stay wet? Because it seems like you, you see piglets once they're ten pounds or so. You don't see a lot of. I mean, I've never seen one nurse. I, I don't know how long they would actually stay. That I've seen little piglets just rooting around with everybody else, though. The one that I killed had. I mean, we're talking. 
the little piglets or the little biddies, watermelons? Biddies, yeah. Oh yeah, five six pounds. They were all all little watermelon pigs and one white pig, and the white pig was the bravest one because it was on a corn feeder. So I popped mama, and then of course all the little pigs. <laughs> it sounds cruel, man. But you shoot mama, she drops with a with a with a terrible squeal, and all the little little football size watermelons just go running off like balls on a pool table. Right? But then they're all looking for each other. So as you're watching across this the shooting area, you just you see a little watermelon shoot across there. And the next thing is two more. A little white one shows up. But the once they all kind of got packed back up, they would they would scoot out to the corn feeder and they'd start eating real tentatively because mama's not around. And then they would spook each other. And all of a sudden, one pig would break and they'd all run away. And they'd come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and the little white pig was like leading the charge. And I couldn't resist, man. And one day, after the third time they came out of that corn feeder, little football-sized white pig was just staring straight at me. And I had a nice bench rest. <laughs> but we, we took the skin off that sucker, gutted him out. And boned him, boned him like he would a rabbit, or a, and uh, rolled him up and just cooked him whole on the grill. I forget what I had it stuffed with, but it was fantastic. Oh, I bet it was. Oh yeah, that's the tenderest meat you'll ever come across. Yep. So tender that you you feel like you're eating something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I I love I love wild pig. I, I think Me it's too. absolutely delicious. Gracious. I've yeah. eaten, I've eaten so many, honestly, because we, I mean, we usually kill uh, anywhere from fifteen to twenty five a year off our place in Georgia. See, we haven't had we haven't had pigs in, in Not, a while. That, that's a hunting. slow, like that's an average, like in there. Some, I mean, there's been years where we've killed. I myself killed fifteen in a season, one season. So I'll tell you, and you what still you, have turkeys. They're not just rooting them all out. So uh, the turkeys. <clears throat> Sorry to step on you. You're good. So the turkeys are on a on a um like a neighboring property that we get permission to go like chase them. They don't turkey hunt. So like our neighbors let us like if bird gobbles and we're trying to get them you know to come to our think our uh, property and they won't come. They've given me permission to go you know chase them on their property like whatever. They don't care. Turkeys don't hang out over there. I think it's because of the pigs. Mm. But the pigs are, they, so during the summertime, they have, because all of our, our land is technically subleased. So like farmers lease the land and we lease the hunting rights. That's how we are. So like the farmers have guys that come in there during the summertime at night and whatever else. And wreck the pigs during like June and July. I mean, they shoot probably 50, 60 of them a year during the summer. I don't know what they do with them. I don't even know if they eat them or what. But I mean, they if you don't do that every year, though, they will overrun that place. Oh, yeah. And they will run your deer off. In a hurry. Like, it, you will not. It's very, very seldom to see a deer that's comfortable eating at a feeder with pigs around, period. At our, at least on our place. No, we we we're pretty blessed. We've killed pigs. They're there, and then they're not. But yeah, we, ours are hit or miss too, I guess. Fortunately, we've never had those kind of numbers. We had three pigs go through. Right, 
early last season and I didn't have anything in the feeder. And I thought for sure that once I put corn in the feeder, I said, man, I'm going to come back up and it's just going to be, nope. They were just gone. I don't know where they went. I, I guarantee there's, we have one pack, I guess you could say, or whatever, um, that are 50, 60 deep. Jeez. What, what parts, what, roughly where in Georgia are you live? Um, we're in Sumter County. So it's like right uh, south central. We're in south central. We're Jeff so like Davis. Cordill. You know where Cordill is? The exit, uh, exit 101. Off, you're off of 75? Yep. Exit 101. Okay, we'd be, we're west. No, we're east of Tifton, but we're north okay. of Douglas. Gotcha. So we're not that far away, but, you know. So I was going to tell you, you know, you talk about <clears throat> you shot mama with, with piglets, the sow with piglets, and the piglets come back. If you get a, because pigs are herd animals like that, if you get a big herd of grown pigs and you shoot the lead sow and drop her in her tracks, the big pigs will do the same thing. They'll all come back to the herd sow. If you sit there long enough. These four. I, I dropped mama 75 yards from the feeder, little baby pigs. They, oh, they took off. They're like, screw mama. There's corn over here. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've shot them. Um, we were hunting on my, the lease I was on my earlier. I was hunting by myself one day, and this is kind of wild pig story, but um, a whole bunch of them come out. And I was, I was actually with one of my little cousins and I was trying to get her to shoot one. And she said, I can't, it has babies. I said, huh. <laughs> okay. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, we'll move. <laughs> I, I, she was shooting my rifle. So I got down on it and I, <clears throat> I said, well, there was probably about a 200 pound boar hog. And I'm like, no, I don't want to shoot him. So I picked out one of the sows, bow, thump, dropped her right there, shot her right, uh, right behind her ear, dropped her there, and then they just scattered. Well, it's just a long, like, strip food plot. It's probably 12 foot wide. And then things are zipping through there, <laughs> going across there, and I'm trying to zoom my scope out and whatever so I can actually try to get on one. So one shoots across, pow, and it starts doing circles and falls down right there. And then they came back across one last time, and I shot that one, pow, in the it acted really funny. Like it just started doing like circles, 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 circles. And I'm like, man, I know I hit it because it started squealing. So anyways, long story short, I get down, look for it. Couldn't find the third pig. Found the first two. Couldn't find the third one. Well, fast forward two weeks or three. This is all during deer season two. Two or three weeks later, my grandpa and my dad's buddy, Clay, are up at the hunting camp. And they're driving down the road to the stand. And all of a sudden, there's something running down the middle of the road straight to the truck. It was the same hog that I had shot two weeks before. And I had shot it right where its snout meets its face. Ooh. Like right there. And it blew its top jaw off. Ooh. Horrible. Mm. I, felt ba- I felt bad after the fact. But, I mean, it is what it is. So, anyways, <laughs> my grandpa calls me and goes, hey. We shot that pig that you hit the other night because there was blood and everything. I knew I hit it. He said, we just shot him. You know, he come running towards the truck. thinking he was trying to want us to put him out of his misery, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was the gnarliest looking thing because it still had like everything, slower jaw, tongue and everything. So it was, honestly could probably eat somewhat, but it was rough. So I got a pig story for you. 
Right. So w- we had this piece in uh, around Cuthbert. The second, yeah. right? It's Shellman Cuthbert. Shellman. Yeah. Okay. So I had driven down from. I was living in Kentucky at the time. Drove down there just to hunt with my dad and brother for the weekend or whatever. Uh, what Charlie? Were weekend. you too? No, it's just it's just me. Okay. It's just me. Uh, this is during deer season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's like Veterans Day weekend or something like that. Um, <clears throat> drove down there to hunt, and I brought my. Uh, so I've got a M1A, a semi-automatic 308, and I brought my 6.5 Creedmoor. And, you know, I just kind of switch back and forth between what I want to hunt with. And my dad's like, why don't you go hunt the stand over here? He's got a lot of pigs. And I was like, oh, okay. Let me grab the M1A. 20 rounds, 308, 165 grain, lead nose. Death machine. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. So I'm sitting there, and it's maybe 830. And I hear, I can hear the pigs, they squeal. I look to my left and I can see this big sow with a sound of about, she had a sounder of about uh, probably 15 piglets. And they're, I say piglets, but they're probably 15 or 20 pounds. They're decent size. And I said, oh, baby, it's game on. And the trail she's coming in on is going to intersect in front of my stand at like 10 yards, 15 yards. So right before she gets to me, I already flipped the safety off and... I'm ready to go. Right before she gets me, she turns right and literally is standing at the bottom of the ladder. So she turned right. I stood up, domed her right in the head, dropped her at the base of the ladder, and the piglets just scattered. I said, sing me the song of your people. Kablow, 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 kablow. There isn't many things that are just more fun than just sending it like that. There's been a couple times me and my brother, Cody, were walking in the stand one morning on the same piece of land. And we were late to the stand and everything. My dad, I wasn't going to go. My dad's like, get up. Weather's good. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, fine. Whatever. All mad. I think I was 16, literally just old enough to drive ourselves <laughs> to the stand. So my brother was 11. And it was when I first started filming my hunts. I had just had bought, I just got that little handy cam that I got from my grandma. And um, anyways, Cody's holding it. I'm like, there was cows in that field. It was just bright enough where, like, the sun was coming up. So it was, like, it was daylight. And I see this field is just full of them, like 50, 50, 60 of them in this field. And I'm like, dude, those are not cows. <laughs> so I said, let's find somewhere where I can rest the gun and you get the camera going. There's no tripod. This is back in the day, back in the day. <laughs> no tripod, no no gimbal, no none, yeah. <laughs> no, none of that. Right? Like gimbal so Cody's nasty. holding it like with his hand. I started shooting them pigs, and all of a sudden, all you see is just the sky because Cody's plugging his ears. Oh. <laughs> I was letting it eat, boy. I shot, I think I shot four of them, and I shot more than four of them, but four of them fell in the field. So now it's like 7 a.m. I'm like, Cody, let's go drag these pigs out of the field to the edge, and we'll go deer hunt. I shot a 130-inch buck that morning, too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> season's so, over. Freezer's I'm telling full. Y'all, I was like, oh, one and done. So this same piece of property where William had his melee on those pigs, we had this one stand. It was kind of like right on the edge, and you had to walk a little bit to get to it. And it was a just a single ladder, but it was like behind the ladder. You had a little runway, and it actually came to like a four way intersection. But pigs would always come into it, so I was climbing it one afternoon, and I'm like. Literally, I hit the bottom of the ladder, and I'm thinking, man, it would just be absolutely crazy 
if I had to shoot a uh, a pig from the ladder. So I get about halfway up the ladder and I look up and there's a sow standing there. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wrap one arm around the ladder and I kind of lean back a little bit. OSHA approved. Yeah. <laughs> I ca- three points I ca- of yeah. contact. Okay. I kind of lean got three back points a little of bit and then throw my throw my seven millimeter rate over my bicep. Wham! Wax this pig right off the ladder. She just dropped it on tracks. I was like, right, that was kind of weird because I just thought about it. <laughs> It'd be crazy if I had to do that. And that didn't. And I got up there and I think I shot another pig that afternoon too out of the stand. But so all these stories are kind of cool about pigs. I mean, I got some even if you, stories. Hold, hold even on, if yeah, it's, I got hold good on, No, no, even if it's all legal though. Hold on. If it's all, if there was, if you had five tags for deer, and there's five deer standing in the field, and you just went and knocked down, bam, 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 bam. You'd like people would probably look at you a little sideways, like, Jesus, you take all five at once. That that's naughty, right? Legal, but everybody would kind of look probably at you a little sideways because you were you were you just too much at once. But if there's fifty pigs. And you know, you just happen to be out there with thirty round mag, and you mag dump that mag dump that sucker into them pigs, re rack and mag dump again. People are out there cheering you on, man. <laughs> you know that's yeah, and I, that's an interesting. It's interesting you bring that up, Jim, because it's not uncommon for people to you. We have two turkey tags here in Florida, right? But it's celebrated if you spend them both in the same day. On this at the same hunt, right? Because I, I doubled up. I got two two toms. It's it. I don't. Where does that line fall? Right. I, I think, think cause you get in the two and it's still only two and it's so hard to do. But I don't know. I guess I don't know the same thing. We. The only other thing that I can. I can well, so, but snow geese in the same you're, way. You're snow geese. The, yeah, you're back on the same thing. Because if, if if you killed. You got six ducks. If you drop three for three out of three shots, you killed half your limit right there in one one volley. Oh, I'm I mean, you're, you're a god. Yeah. Yeah. Tripling up's tough, but I, it's I, I don't know. But you know what I mean. There's, I guess that's that's maybe the point. But pigs, come on. That's a limit for wood ducks. It, yeah. <laughs> it, I guess that's it because you're not allowed to. It's the most the high, the furthest you can go is like five or six, right? With deer in Florida, it's five, but with the no limit, no season, no limit on pigs. And sometimes they will congregate in those big numbers, and because they're so destructive, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. it's like your your mindset on how the animal itself is portrayed. There's no such thing as being yeah. naughty with pigs. So oh, I, I've yeah. waxed a bunch of them. something you talked about with your him plugging his, his ears, and I, I want to bring this up. This is this is a tip before the tip of the week. Um, but next time you think you're like, all right, it's time to go spend eight hundred dollars on a new gun. Look into buying a suppressor because I hunt with one and it has absolutely 110% changed the way I hunt. What? A suppressor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, I bought one because at the time, like I, I own a short barrel rifle. I went through the process to get that. Uh, that was way back when, man, that was six years ago. And then the whole intention of, you know, building the short barrel rifle was to get a suppressor for it. Uh, just to make a cool rifle, you know, I wanted to own that. I 
I'm still very much into building guns and, and uh, being my own at-home gunsmith, which, uh, you know, that goes by the whole thing. Don't do this at home. Uh, make sure you know what you're doing for you. Try to do that for yourself. But I bought the suppressor, and I thought it was cool on the 300 blackout that I built, which it most definitely is. But when I put it on my hunting rifle, and I hunt with that rifle, the the difference, and it made me think about it, you talk about the pigs, I shot a pig at 250 yards one time. Anything at inside outside of 75 yards, you hear the impact of the bullet. Because you don't have the deafening bang in your face when you pull the trigger. It, I, I can't tell you, I've heard more bullet impacts since I bought the suppressor than I ever did in my entire life before I ever owned one. That's mm-hmm. wild. And they are expensive, right? They, they are by no means a, a cheap venture to, to buy into. But it's one of those things that once you buy it and have it, you'll you'll never look back. Well, it's it's like everybody always puts a price tag on things, right? Right. I mean, it's like, oh, well, man, that's $1,000, you know, or that's this, that's that. How much are your ears worth? To like you? Put a price on your hearing. Yeah, because yeah. well, my dad, it's, my dad it's, even when we turkey hunt and stuff now, he's like, I'm like, do you hear that bird? Huh? Th- this is this is another <laughs> thing. Bird, too, did you right? say something to me? It's peace of mind for me because I know that when I take my six-year-old son out hunting with me, when I shoot a deer, I'm not screwing up his hearing. Yeah. yeah. Well, mine's mine's far gone. I, I'm sitting here. If we turn the volume down, all I hear is, <laughs> yeah. right, so. Exactly. <laughs> right. I, I don't hear it now, but at the end of... At the end of any waterfowl season, or even some of the small game, I'll find myself if I get in a quiet room. That's that's all you hear is the is the old UHF test signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, and then once you hear it, it's like, oh shit! Now, now you can hear it through everything. You hear planes going over. You can still hear, every you know, time you I lay yourself out. Every time I lay down for bed at night, if my wife's not in there, I will turn music on on the speaker in our bedroom because I cannot fall asleep with that. In my ear, the TV. I was worried. Does turn TV on? Now. I can't do that either because it keeps me awake. But music. Going back to turkeys, we were hunting this weekend, and my buddy, you know, we're having a, the worst of like turkey gobble, and we'd go, "It's over there." Both pointing 180 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then later that's on, a, that's a regular occurrence. Well, yeah. The, the later that's on, any noise in the woods, he's yeah. hearing he's hearing things, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm about to really listen. I'm like, and I started thinking, oh my god, man, my hearing must really be degraded. And and then he said, "Man, I hate to hear the hum of those solar panels. There's a solar field down there." And I was, I really listened. Like, I was like, "What hum?" I'm like, "No, I got it. I got it." And then I'm sitting there. So this, then later on in the morning, I got this feeling. I cleared my ears. You know what I mean? Like you would do for scuba diving. Yeah. Felt like all this, just whatever was going on, pop. And holy, all of a sudden, I could hear those, like the solar panels are. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm like, turkey over there. It's like, man, I was, but for, for a day, because it was the first morning we were having all that. And then it was the early the next morning that I popped my ears. But I thought for sure that I'm like, well, that's it. Knees are gone. Can't see up close. Now the hearing's gone. Like, I was, I was, I was, we started to go down that road, like, I better get whatever I want to get done, done, because I'm, Pretty soon, I'll be deaf, dumb, and mute out there trying to hunt. (laughs) (laughs) 
already got the dumb down pat. I just need to get deaf and mute. Oh, man. <laughs> Coming back to, to you talking about earlier about uh, shooting two birds at one time. I got a story for you. Right, let me hear it. Deaf, dumb, and blind. Sorry. So... <laughs> Um, I haven't killed, I hadn't killed a bird in a couple of years. Right. So, Imagine that. um, me and my dad and my little cousin, Trey, we went out, um, trying to get on a bird mostly for me, but my dad brought his gun too, just in case, you know, obviously two birds come in there. Cause I knew there was multiple birds on that piece of property from scouting. So we get out there at like nine 30. Um, we had already tried a different spot first day in the morning so we get out there as soon as we hit the call bird gobbles all right awesome let's set up so we pushed towards him about 100 yards he's probably about 250 300 when he first gobbled it was faint <clears throat> so we start calling the bird starts coming closer you know a normal turkey hunt all of a sudden the birds two birds fire off and they're getting they're within 100 yards at this point and they're in the same spot and they just keep gobbling and gobbling and gobbling so, Dad's like, "All right, we're just gonna get quiet on them, and see if they gobble on their own, and then maybe they'll break." So, the two birds gobble on their own two or three times. He's like, "All right, we're good. They're they're coming." So we sit there, and he starts calling, soft calling, soft calling, trying to get him to come to this road where we can where I'm set up to look down. About forty five minutes goes by, silent. Not another gobble, nothing. I'm like, there is no way that those birds haven't come 100 yards in 45 minutes. Think about it. Even if they're feeding or whatever they're doing on the way there, they'd have made it by now. So they must have seen us or something. So I lean over to my dad, and he's just across this little, about six foot away from me. I said, what are you thinking? He's like, man, I don't know. So the only thing I can think of is they were hinned up. And they were when they were gobbling on their own, they were gobbling at those hens around them, you know. So I look over, and my this was my cousin's first time filming at all. So like he's got the tripod all whacked out. It, I mean, the camera's like all cockeyed, and and I'm when it comes to my filming stuff, I'm trying. I want everything to be crisp and balanced, and you know what I mean. It looks good, whatever. So I go to my knees and I start messing with torquing on the um, tripod. And my dad says, don't move. And I said, you've got to be kidding. He's like, don't move the bird at 40 yards and coming straight down the road to us. So now I have my camera in my in my left hand, tripod in my right. They're not connected together at all. So what do I do? I say, forget the camera. I go to sit the camera down. And I look over and my dad has already got his gun up. He didn't hand me my gun. <laughs> <laughs> you had your hands full already. Oh, I would have dropped it all. I had, like I said, I hadn't killed a bird in a couple of years, so I was ready to burn one down. So Dad says, "Turn your camera on. They're coming straight down the road." Well, you got to film realize, me killing your yeah, turkey. You got to you got to realize too. Once once I realize that I can't get to my gun, my second best thing is my camera because I'm gonna try to film it all, make you know, make a story out of it. So I flipped my camera on and I just rolled my back. Like I said, I was on my knees, so I just kind of rolled my back. And, and lean back against the tree as, as hard as I could, like arching my back so that I can stay above the palmettas and stuff. And these turkeys are coming. I'm talking on a line, straight down the line to us. 
I said, they're going to see us. We done knocked down the palmettos that are covering us. Like we're just, we were about to move. So I zoomed my camera all the way out. And all I see is these two redheads bobbing coming down the road towards us. Well, they get about 25 to 30 yards from us behind a bunch of thick stuff and they cut right into the woods. Well, I'm to my dad's right. And so is my cousin Trey is to his right. Well, I said, shoot one. You know, when they come to this opening, he said, there's an open right there. Get ready. So I spin around with the camera. I did not get the shot on film because of freehanding it and my dad shooting right over my shoulder. But I <clears throat> I held the camera with my right arm. You're talking about shooting and hurting your ears. but <laughs> So I lean up with my left hand and sh- shove my fingers in my ear. And I'm holding the camera like this, all cockeyed. And he's like, ready? I'm like, yeah. I can't even see the, the LCD screen on the camera. I had no idea what it was on. All I hear is the flop. Can't stop the flop. <laughs> I said, he done killed one of them for sure. Man, if I didn't get up off of that tree and that guy had done killed two birds with one shot Grave at 25 man. yards. And I'm talking, and, and my dad's one of those guys. He hunts in Walmart camouflage. <laughs> he, sh- he shoots muzzy broadheads. I mean, it, it, he he only shoots the bare minimum of everything. So the best part is I put, I grab a shell. I'm thinking, you know, I shoot three and a half. So I don't play around. I shoot him at 50 if I need to. I mean, I'll kill him. And he's got a two and three quarter, like 13-year-old <laughs> turkey load. Number eight. It's got, it's rusted <laughs> up. It's rusted. It's got a rusty cap on it. He I says, saw. I bought these in a hundred round box at exactly. Walmart. Yeah. And, and, uh, in 2004. Yeah. But no, man, he killed both those birds, and they were both good birds too. Both two-year-old birds had both had over an inch purrs. Um, two thousand four was a great years back when you could get uh, hundred round boxes for twenty bucks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I was I was like eight, <laughs> fourteen. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was that was a pretty awesome hunt. Especially it it was one of those hunts where it happened so fast you didn't even have you didn't even have like a chance to really get pumped up. Yeah. So that the adrenaline dump after the shot was insane it, it was it was nuts Man. so i got an older turkey story i had had a uh i went to lake sumter and i had some night classes and i met uh one of the baseball players at lake sumter and uh i can't remember what had gone on in class it was a uh a social problems class so basically all we did throughout class was uh literally every day we started a new debate Right, we just debated every day, and uh, we'd kind of connected because we just had both the same views in the debates. And so we went out for a break one time in class. He comes over to me, he's like, "But do you hunt?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "You from around here?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Bro, turkey season's coming up. You got anywhere turkey hunting?" I was like, uh, "Yeah." So we hunted in this one specific area that may have, may or may not been a bird sanctuary. That part wasn't, was it? I don't know. That's why I said may or may may not have been. I think you were just outside of it. Yeah. I would just like to say Jordan's speaking now, not Hunter. Yeah. (laughs) Statute of limitations. Yeah, statute of limitations got me here. And uh, 
but we had we hunted this other area so kind of the area that jay had talked about hunting that one gobbler we had kind of gone out there because that subdivision hadn't been finished at that time we called they didn't really come much and he's like you know anywhere else birds are i said actually yeah i do (laughs) so we went to another subdivision that had not been finished at that point in time it's still not finished yeah it's still not finished yeah so uh and there were birds there, but like at the back, there was a retention pond, but the birds were always on the backside of the retention pond. So we got out there and there was a guy from the county driving around and I was like, oh shit, man, we're screwed. I said, we're not going to be able to hunt and whatever, yada, yada, yada. So I pulled up to him. I was like, hey brother, you mind if we just kind of hang out out here? He's like, yeah, man, I don't care. Just don't trash plates. I'm like, all right. So he drove off. Which means pick up your shells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pick up after yourself. So uh, he drove off, and then uh, I hit the call, and bah! off the backside of the pond, I said, "We're gonna hit that pond." So we parked truck, ran down to the pond, and then got up just kind of on the backside of that berm, and I hit it again. He said, "Just, I mean, literally on the other side of that berm." I said, "I'm gonna hit it one more time." He gobbles. I said, you stand up. I said, he's going to immediately see you when you stand up. And he's going to come out of strut. Because we were kind of peeking over a little bit. I mean, just you could just barely see the top of his fence. So I hit it. Bah! And then he stood up and that turkey came out of strut. And he said, wham! And waxed it. As soon as it came out of strut. And he ran down there. Ended up getting the piss spurred out of him. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't. I mean, we were trying to get there, get gone. <coughs> It was in a fairly populated area. That was a unique hunt. One word. Unique yeah, we sneaked in. Yeah, we sneaked in and we sneaked out. And uh, but that turkey ended up having an eleven and a half inch beard on it. Dude, turkey! Mm. I'm telling you, turkey hunting is so much fun. Especially I got a whole those kind of hunts. <laughs> Threw it in the bed of the truck and <laughs> got out of dodge. <laughs> well, has seen it. I got a whole unique outfit. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I've uniqued with Jim. <laughs> That was probably the most fun turkey hunt I've ever been on, though. That was most action-packed, because not only were you having to, you know, you had the action of getting the bird, but then you had the action of getting the hell out of there. <laughs> so on the, on the morning that I popped my ears, you know, so that I could hear again, I had one of the, we had one of the best, it's, it, it is, it's one of the best turkey hunts I've ever been on, even though we didn't come away with the bird. We were... We were. We went in the morning to where we thought we'd heard a turkey stop gobbling the day before, and we were on entirely the wrong end of the property. And it was one of those things where you hear the gobbler go off, and you're like, "Oh man, that gobbler's just hell and gone." But we're not hearing anything else, so let's start walking. And we probably walked down on open roads so we're making good time for probably a solid five minutes and um, I had a pot call Jason was running the box call so I said just hammer it and see what happens sure enough rah, rah, rah. like way off I'm like alright that's that's closer than it was we're definitely heading in the right direction walk down walk down walk down and uh, again five minutes down and yep 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 Sure enough, man, we're heading towards him, and I think he's heading towards us. And uh, we 
deduced that we're on a road. There's some th- thick stuff like heavy pine and, and um, inkberry and whatnot. And we think he might be on his power line. But you get because you get all the, the pine trees and things. You know, it's like it's just having trouble really pinpointing it. So we ended up walking back and forth until we finally figured out, like, all right, he's probably right on that power line. Um, but we were both very sure he was. The only way we could get through that thick stuff without making just a pile of noise was to hike back quite a back quite a bit in the direction that we'd come from, and then we'd hit a, a pretty good cut through trail. And we decided, hey, we're going to go sit on that trail and see if we can lure this turkey to come right back down that power line. So we wandered, we wandered right to where the opening was. We were going to try to set up and ambush it. And man, just by fate, I happened to glimpse through this little cut in the bushes. And man, that turkey is right there. I mean, 30 yards out, full-blown strut. My, my, I was so shocked to see the turkey where it was that my first instinct was to get Jay, my buddy Jason down. Like, just get down. And... Let out just a real light couple of chirps. And didn't see it, didn't see it. Stood up a little bit, just looking through a bush, and I'm looking right at this turkey. Had I been a little more, had I been more selfish, I could have, because he couldn't see it. All I had to do was like creep forward three or four steps. Boom, done. But I think you were even talking about it, man. With turkey hunting, Turkey hunting, at least for me, the one thing that I like to hunt where I, I really don't need to be the trigger man. Right? Oh, yeah, I don't at all. Yeah, it's the calling. And it's it's way more fun to put somebody else on a turkey. Well, I don't know, way more. but um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I like squeezing the trigger this year. Yeah, yeah well, if, if, you, <laughs> if you haven't, I don't know why. Yeah. So I'm looking through this. I'm trying to point it to him because you could barely see this turkey moving through this thick bush. And that turkey is walking back and forth between two pretty heavy furrows because it just dissed this field. And it needs to come five feet to the right. And I'm thinking, man, it's going to happen. He's going to crush this bird. It's going to be awesome. We're waiting. We're waiting. Like seven, eight, ten minutes. What the hell is that bird? So all of a sudden I'm thinking, uh uh-oh. That bird is coming behind, like is going to creep through the bushes and come behind us. So I turn around and crept down this path a ways and wait and wait and wait. And then all of a sudden I get a text. He's humping a hen. I'm like, wait, you can see him? He's like, oh yeah. In that, in that brief period, we needed him to come five more feet. Sure enough, on the other side of the power lines, hens came out. And he walked down the furrow to the, to the end, straight down the swamp line, back over, and took care of the hen. And we're watching, and he's still at full strut. Hen has wandered back into the woods. Just at full, every now and again, letting out a gobble. And then we couldn't, because the furrows, all of a sudden, I think, I moved a little bit, and I thought he must have busted because he came out of strut, and he was facing right at us. And I was looking through some binoculars. I got this great view. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And then all of a sudden, you know, how they kind of do that little waddle up when they're coming up behind the... Mm-hmm. And sure enough, boom, 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 boom. Down goes hand number two. 
back to full strut. And this is, I'm telling the story faster. This is between birds is 20 minutes. Sure enough, 20 minutes later, still at full strut. Out comes him number three. Oh boy. So I, don't know, I don't know how. I don't, Going rounds. They said, man, I don't know how this boy got back into the tree at night. <laughs> and every now and again, just to let him know like, Hey, don't forget we're over here. And sure enough, he finished up with head number three and beelined. I mean, virtually beelined right back across the end of the furrows. And then we lost him because we couldn't couldn't see through the bush. Finchley stuck our head out, and he, he was he was down there still at full strut. But we, earlier we talked about how they don't have to come find hens, mm. right? And I told you on the property, we have so many hens, they really don't have to find them. I think and after watching, I learned the reason this hunt was so awesome is I learned a bunch for that property. Like, he was out there doing his thing. He was letting them know that we were there. I'm pretty sure that he was responding to our calls. But meanwhile, while responding to our calls, he's he's bringing them out of the woodwork, doing his business. And when he walked back over, I think he was expecting the same thing. I'll just stand out here looking good until those ladies walk out, and I'll take care of them. And But while he was on our side of the the power line, even though we couldn't see him, you'd hear that. Yep. But it's, it was almost, it almost sounded like somebody dropping a pile of phone books a hundred yards away. Just a deep. Yep. Nobody, nobody can make this. Right. But you know, and just, and doing it, I mean, every 45, 50 seconds, just drumming. And that bird stayed, the only time it came out of display was when it was making love. Other than that, when I'm like, can you imagine walking around like at full flex for 90 minutes and having sex three times? Like, you're done, Sounds man. Like high school. With three different women. That's a high school party right there. Yeah, man. Well, eventually, you know, because by this time it's hot. We've been watching this bird. So we got on that bird with that first call. It was about 8 o'clock in the morning. And by the time we were just barely peeking through, seeing him down our side of the power lines, it was about 1130. It's getting hot. He hadn't gobbled an hour. And we did try to, because he's kind of heading away a little bit, we did try to get run back down that road to get up. Man, at the end of the day, he just walked into the woods, man. So done. That man was wore out. Yeah, we got right. to see. He didn't everything. want to gobble. He didn't want to walk. He's probably laid up in the thicket somewhere, cooling off. <laughs> yeah. But I'm telling you right now, I watched uh, the THP, the Hunting Public. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen basically every video they've ever come out with. But um, I can't remember if it was Nebraska or Iowa or whatever. They talk about they have a video dedicated to hunting flocks. I feel like that's something that like y- you would have to do with that many hens. Because you're never going to get the, those oh, blow them to off. break. So, like, <clears throat> it's not that you do that. It's you hunt the flock itself. So, like, you, you go out there one day, right, from afar, you get a turkey to gobble, and you get into an area where you can see. And then you watch their transition period. Because turkeys are habitual. It can be. They're very habitual. So, if you can see that they fly down, you know, pitch into this one field one morning, they may not pitch into the same field again the next day. But they're going to, if they roost in the same spot, they are going to pitch close to there. So, like, he was talking about how they'd be on, like, on top of a mountain. Obviously, they're hunting, like, wherever, or a high spot in Nebraska. 
and they watch the bird transition through this field. Well, they transition through this field, transition through this field. Well, now that you know that they're going through that field every day, you set up on the other end of it, put out two decoys, that the hens are going to feel comfortable coming in there. They're going to drag a gobbler right past you. That's how I got my public land turkey in Texas. Yep. After doing a guide and hunt and watching turkeys cross a river bottom, and all the river bottoms in Texas are public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guide, I was like, I want to get that turkey. He's like, uh, it's not our property. I'm like, that's everybody's property. Probably. But I understand it. So our, our my guided hunt ended with success. And I left early the next day, like before sunup, and I was in that bottom. <laughs> sure enough, man, <laughs> I killed a Jake. But I, I don't know if there's 100 men alive in all Texas got a public land turkeys. There's not much public land there, but yeah. I got one. But see, I was kind of going on a story in Georgia. And this is kind of a first for me. Being able to watch that gobbler do everything that you've that you ever hear about gobblers doing. Like when it was on the other side of the field, when we had to, you know, being able to watch the binoculars, when it's drumming and strutting, you know, and the feathers are going. And, you know, because I've, I've never actually observed that. I've seen, you could see in the, where the marks are in a dusty field, mm-hmm. you know, um, and watching it, just watching it court the hens. And, you know, I didn't really care what scene. I've seen. I've actually seen them gobbler mountain hen before but not not the whole thing yeah and he was a full-on mature bird rope dranger oh it's this is the shame perfect symmetry every single feather is there um it's beautiful watching the head change colors so that for that one hunt i kind of feel like i learned i got i got a chance to just watch and i feel like i learned a whole lot about gobbler behavior that I'd heard of before, but never really had a chance to see. And he, he knew we were there. It just, it just didn't work out. We, we could have killed the Turkey. We probably could have even at the end taken a chance and just leaned out and tried to bushwhack him. But he was 60 some odd, 70 some odd yards. And, and after all that, I think we both felt the same way. Like, no way you're going to take a chance of wounding that sucker. Yeah. Like, you think you feel bad you didn't get a bird? If you had hit that bird, Nico ran off into the woods and you couldn't find it, we'd I'd still be up there turning through pine leaves, you know, pine pine straw. But I guess that's kind of one of the greatest things about hunting. We tell all these stories, and it's great to tell a story when you got the bird. But I find that the ones that stick with me are not just the bird, the, the goose, the you know the funny stories, like when you, you you miss the layups, or when the deer, you know, you had that encounter with the deer where it's right on top of you, and you just couldn't move. It's just at a bad angle, and it's like twenty minutes of agony. Those are the, man, those are the stories that stick with you. Man, if yeah. it was easy, we'd all we'd all gotten bored of hunting by the time we were twenty. You know, uh, it's those. I'm probably doing, I'm not even doing enough credit for this because we both sat there uncomfortable, not moving, you know, legs falling asleep because we didn't have, we're just sitting on the ground with nothing, where we were with nothing to lean up against, you know, so (laughs) greatest morning we had and greatest morning of hunting I've had in a long time and we didn't win. It's a challenge. I, I think that's why I've heard throughout so many times in my life from my dad when he says, that's why they call it hunting, not killing. Yeah, 
and I've had that feeling a lot of times, but most of the time when I hear that, it's just because you went out, didn't see a thing, didn't hear a thing. You, you got to give just, yourself an excuse to yeah. make the pain less. <clears throat> yeah, yeah just, just miles on the boots is all you got for you. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, to I mean, it had been nice to have gotten the bird. It would have been really nice. And and it's it's hard to say, though. I, I don't, And I think if Jace was here, he'd say the same thing. Don't regret that the gun didn't go boom at all. Got the full, if, this is the beauty, man. If I, if I had, Jason, we were talking about it, He's like, why don't you snap shoot it? And I said, I wanted you to kill it, right? But if I had done that, wouldn't have had all that other stuff. And man, I am not, I'm a meat hunter, man. I'm a, I'm a killer. I'm not the guy that's out there looking for this transcendental experience. Um, But I got it and I am better for it. And I'm, I love it, man. But all week, ever since then, because I was also my last day hunting in Georgia. All, you can all week, I've been like, oh, man, how can I get back up there? Just just one more crack at that son of a gun. It's not going to happen. Hunter, how many turkeys have you seen die this season? Um, well, I'm going to start out with how many I should have seen. How many I had in range that sh- I called. I called in three long be long beards the first the second weekend of season and i hate to do this to him but i'm gonna gonna put him on blast my cousin jasper uh we took his little boy with us hunting and i had never been to this place before it was a new spot that i got permission on and i walked him in there and we we probably walked i don't know five six hundred yards in a big circle just trying to you know pinpoint the corners first the birds were still on the roost and i was you know hitting owl call and blah 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 and the birds fired off and they were probably 250 yards i called them all the way in about 38 yards and he emptied his gun and missed all three times <laughs> so bad that the first he shot at the first bird and missed him clean like i could tell i saw i literally could almost see the you know, the pattern go right over top of his head. And the second one, he shot the second one and it just went right. The third one was trying to pop strut as he shot at it. Oh (laughs) yeah. I'm talking like juked him. I'm talking. These birds weren't going nowhere. There was no rush. And in the video, you can hear me say kill them when you can, because they came to this opening in the little Oak flat and we were hidden, but you can never be hidden enough for turkeys. I don't, especially with no blind or nothing, they will see you. So I said, you know, when you get a chance, shoot one. And boy, he let it eat. There wasn't a feather left on the ground nowhere. So that was three there. And then I went with my dad, shot those. He shot those two birds in one shot. Um, so five, um, we called in the morning that I shot mine. My little sister shot a Jake. And there was also a long beard in that group within 10 yards. So eight or nine. You're at eight now. Briar's counting. And then uh, take the off in Georgia, here. in Georgia, um, me and my brother were within 40. Uh, I'd give, I say 40 yards, three separate birds in one weekend. So that's 11. Mm-hmm. And those birds, we didn't have a chance to kill them, though. They were in thicket behind us. Where the, We never even saw the birds. But I, I'd say 11. All right, so now, 
Of all those birds, what's what's your favorite story to tell out of the season? Um, the one with my dad and my little sister. I haven't told that one really yet. Let's hear it. <clears throat> so, um, so the same thirty acres I talked about earlier, but so we were out there, and mind you, I've hunted. I was hunting before work. I was hunting afternoons by myself. I I hunted. 15 times on this piece of property and there was only two long beards on it and they're they're stubborn they'll gobble but you got to catch them just right you know when they're hot in order to kill them so a lot of times they'll gobble on the roof as soon as they hit the ground nothing and you got to just kind of get lucky i guess they don't go with the hens they go towards you so my dad's i'd say is pretty pretty damn good at calling with with a diaphragm call in his mouth so we're sitting there and my sister's never killed a turkey either. So my dad brought her, brought her gun too. Um, so we're sitting there and a hen comes out about uh, probably 250, 200 yards away. My dad said, I, I leaned back. I said, hey, you see that hen? And he hadn't seen her yet. And she hadn't made a peep. And my dad just started soft calling to her. And he's like, well, maybe I can piss her off to where she'll start cutting and, you know, purring and cutting real loud and she'll get the, those birds to gobble so we can somewhat know where they're at and sure enough he i said oh here they come and they were probably 100 yards straight straight in front of us but somewhat to the right on this little road that we walked in on and there was two birds gobbled man we're sitting there and dad starts uh, giving it to him again same sequence and they fired off again got my gun up got ready and when i tell y'all that these turkeys come around this corner i'm talking mock 10 i mean they were i mean hauling drifting sideways around the corner post and as soon as they come around the corner and shout out to my dad for actually getting the kill shot on camera because the guy could barely run a computer let alone a camera with 74 buttons on it <laughs> so he's like the one on the left one on the left and i could tell the one on the left had the long beard so they come around that corner boy and they saw sitting up against that pine tree and i just ate him up three and a half from about 18 yards just made a pillow out of him <laughs> and he hardly even flopped <clears throat> but the, the birds dispersed and at this point i mean there was there was no hens in the group there's four jakes and two long beards so there were six turkeys within 20 yards of us right there so my dad said, man, I saw all those jakes, and I, I got all worked up. I told Macy to kill one, kill one, kill one, kill one. I could hear, you could hear him. He's like, wait, 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 wait. There's a cow. We got cattle out there on the property, too. Wait, 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 wait. Let her clear that cow. So the jakes were like, you know, they're putting, trying to get away. And I, I reckon he made that one last mistake, went to the right and cleared that cow, and my little sister smoked him. I mean, just steamrolled him. But the best part was uh, my dad, my dad got to see that just after the fact, dad told me, he's like, dude, because I've killed, I've killed a lot of stuff in my life, but it's because of my dad. My dad's my best friend. You know, he's my hunting buddy, my, you know, period, everything I got, I give him anything, but he doesn't get to see that genuine, like reaction out of me that often because usually i hunt by myself 
Right. You know, you shoot a big buck, whatever. I'm down there by myself. He's not usually with me anymore now that I'm grown. So he's like, I got to see two of my kids just jump up, hug each other, you know, do their thing. And it wasn't even like, oh, they're with dad. He's like, it was almost like I just got to watch all of it. He said, and I would take that over shooting two birds with one shot 10 times out of 10. And I think that's, in in a nutshell, is what hunting comes down to, is that feeling. Pretty awesome story. I could agree with you more. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty epic. I mean, and the, and the best part was, like, I shot my bird sitting still. Macy's was running. He was getting <laughs> yeah. gone. I mean, he had him skint back trying to get out of there, and she, she, she Jake from State Farm didn't quit. <laughs> I mean, he didn't make it out of there. But. Hey, so I, got, I got a goofy question. When you said this, when the birds came to you, you said they were hauling ass, right? Yes. Were the gobblers in front of the jakes? Is what I'm Jake, Jake's, uh, um, the J- two jakes came out first, and I got the videos all on my YouTube channel too for anybody that wants to watch it. It's at Florida Play Outfitters, but... I'll link it down so, in the podcast description. <clears throat> so we'll put it on there for y'all to watch. I need watch to get it. on and watch that one. But um, two Jakes crest the corner. So we were set up in in a um in the edge of a cattle pasture, but there's an old fence that cuts to the corner, and we were right on that fence line up against a big pine tree, and there was like a double pine tree where my dad could get in there behind me with the camera where he was hidden real well, and then my sister was kind of behind me to my left. So they come from... So we're facing, the, like, you know, down that fence line. Well, they come from the other corner. So they came to the corner and come around it. There was two jakes. They came in real soft, mm. like, you know, thump, 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 real slow. Boy, and the gobbler come, I'm talking drifting, about half, three-quarter strut. I mean, and he saw us. His white stopped. Mm. and i was already on and I, he said left left i done swung the gun you can watch the gopro video it's hilarious it's just pow and then it scatters and there's literally birds everywhere <laughs> i mean that's a macy dad's like i couldn't even tell which one was the other long beard because there was two in that group because i got them both on camera but um anyways that jake went he split off the one there was two jakes that went left and they were right in line with the cow and you hear my dad trying to talk with the diaphragm in his mouth he's like Mace, don't. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, let him clear the cow. cow. Let him clear the cow. And he cleared, and that one broke off and went to the right. He must have cleared the cow because we ain't eating beef. We're eating turkey breast. <laughs> you know, when you describe that gobbler booking along and all of a sudden finding himself in the open and seeing you. Oh, man. That'd be the perfect video for one of those. And right about now, Tom realized he fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. But, yeah, it was... And like I said, it was, it happened so fast that from the time the turkeys gobbled the first time, cause like I said, we were in there before daylight, never heard a turkey gobble all morning. We had to have walked underneath the birds to get to where we set up because Ooh. they, they flew down onto the road that we walked in on. So like we literally had to walk right under them, but yeah, it was pretty cool. And my mate and my little sister is Jimmy Jr., is my dad uh, he she's just cool calm and collected she don't get all worked up or nothing she just i mean she's been killing deer since she was five six years old you know it's just it's a natural thing for her and she can shoot the piss out of anything you put in her hands so that, that was her first turkey she ever killed first time she ever shot anything with a shotgun 
So it was pretty cool stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. After watching you duck hunt, I'm surprised he can shoot a shotgun on a turkey. Listen, yeah. let me tell you something. I didn't say nothing about me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why do you think I shoot three and a half? Hopefully one of them catches yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it only takes one pellet, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I originally asked that question about what came first, and the reason I asked, because you said there's four jakes and two gobblers. Yes, there are six. So, yeah, six total birds. A little more balance. I was, um, I was out near post one time and got to watch. You always hear about gobblers kicking the bejesus out of Jake's, right? Well, when there's one big old gobbler and six Jake's, they beat the piss out of him. They kicked the shit out of this big yeah, old guy. He did. ran, he ran away like he couldn't get away fast enough, and they were hauling after him, man. Especially um, Osceolas. Osceolas yeah. are really, really, really aggressive. I thought that was. Uh, it's like that's not that didn't go down the way I thought it was because you're so used to hearing about how the big old Tom will come up and beat yep. out Jake. Not one at six on one. That's that's what so a lot of um, I was speaking of Waddell again, but anytime he has something to say about turkey hunting, I listen to him. But he uh, he was talking the other day about people saying, "Oh, my turkeys are decoy shy." He said, "No, there's a group of teenagers on in your turkey woods beating the shit out of that old man that lives in the woods with him. <laughs> All of them jumping on him. He don't want no part of that Jake decoy. He don't. He's like, <laughs> Where's the rest of them? That's he's like." <clears throat> He says, oh, they're decoy shy. He goes, have you ever seen them do it to a hen? No. They don't beat on nobody. Them jakes will beat the piss out of a full-grown gobbler. With no spurs. and no, I mean, because jakes don't have spurs, really. I mean, they have little nubs. They're not even sharp. Not even to a point yet. But um, it's funny you said that, though, because I've seen it both ways. I've, I've seen a, a gobbler come in there on, you know, head uh, full head of steam coming at those decoys no problem whatsoever and then i've put out decoys and i've had them stand out there at 100 yards like, oh hell no i ain't going over there hmm. but people hmm. say oh my turkeys are decoy shy you ain't decoy shy it's just a natural pecking order he's tired of getting his butt whooped on i'm telling you like, like, like i said you walk down the same road every day on the way home from school and there's six bullies that stand there that are almost the same size as you but they got you numbers wise and they just beat on you every day you're gonna start walking a different direction or 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 you're gonna call your big brothers or your dad or somebody yeah. to come with you at least <laughs> <laughs> you guys ready for the tip of the week i'll say, say it's about time for two i of the think week. so i got one i i do too actually how about you briar you got one i think so oh if, if you got one yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let y'all you go leave. first i'll make sure we ain't got the same one okay okay i don't want to steal yours go ahead. you might steal mine well, I'm going to tell you that mine, I might steal yours, but I'm not stealing Briars. We talked about pigs at one point in this podcast, right? And pigs will run your deer off, run your turkeys off, whatever else. One of the biggest things we saw that helped us mitigate the amount of pigs we saw around our property, especially in like Georgia, where it's legal debate, was putting up a two-foot fence. You put a two-foot fence around your feeders. Two-foot tall. Yeah, two-foot tall. Deer can literally, they don't have to jump it. They just step over it. But it's a barrier to the pigs. On that piece, we had the two-foot fence around a lot of feeders. You hardly ever saw pigs there. Yeah. Smart. So, you didn't steal mine. I might steal briars. But I'm going to say that just because you didn't kill something doesn't mean it's not a success story. 
Oh yeah, no, you man. were close. Listen, so we, like we spent we spent a daggum what seven days in in Tennessee. Yeah, and the only one to kill something was Dad. But God, dude, I look back at the the TikTok video and the, the pictures that came from that trip, and dude, I, I'd go back a hundred times over and not kill something. Dude, I had such a freaking blast up yeah. there. Oh, uh, like like we Jim were, was saying we, earlier. <laughs> The, the memories that he made didn't even kill anything, but he's got more stories to tell about the memories and what happened than any kind of success story he's ever had. Packing uh, five men into a three-man cabin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was hot fun. Hot box. Did, we yeah. all got hot box. It was box. a hot box say until, yeah, until y'all left and that night when y'all left, because it wasn't that cold, and then but when y'all left, it got down into the teens, and I'm I, talking about when somebody cut loose with the. Uh, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> breaking wind, man. Let me guess, your dad. My apologies. Oh, it was you and I, your dad. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, you never know. It runs in the family. It was both y'all. <laughs> it, it runs in the family. Could have been all three of us at once. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't, I, it, it was fun. It, it was a challenge uh, hunting on the base. I, I think if I had to do it over again, I would strictly hunt. The, the state land we did, I, I think if we'd have spent more time there, we did, we probably would have killed more deer. I think we'd have figured it out better than we had, and we'd have killed more deer, like you said. Yeah. yeah. The, the challenge of hunting the base was there are... So, statistics-wise, if you wanted to kill a big buck, hunting Fort Campbell, Kentucky, is your ticket when you're hunting in Tennessee or Kentucky. But... Just hunting wise and killing deer wise, I think the the state land we were hunting would if if we'd have spent our entire time driving the thirty minutes every day, forty five minutes every day to that state property and hunting, I think we'd have killed more deer. We we, we would have killed deer. Absolutely, I, I think we were more stuck on the fact that we had one one buck uh, on on Campbell because uh, I I saw deer almost every single day I hunted. Yeah, so did I. It just wasn't the one that I wanted to shoot. And I think even hunting, had we hunted more like public, public, I probably would have shot a doe. Yeah. Oh, I'd have shot a doe if I saw it, period. Yeah, but you couldn't on camera. You could. Oh, could you? Yeah. yeah. Depending on where you were, but yeah. Yeah. No, any area yeah. you were in, you could have shot a doe. I didn't see any does. Yeah. So I shot them. <laughs> I don't think I saw a doe either. I had one. I had him. I, had I, I can spot tell you for a night. fact. I, just, I can tell you for well, a fact. Well, that's right. Because AJ, I put AJ on a doe when he missed it. Because if I if I would have seen a doe, I'd have shot it. All I saw was uh, I saw a seven point, uh, a couple of spikes, and a few button bucks. Mm. Yeah. So my tip of the week: going back to cooking. Um, boudin. So if you're not making boudin with your deer liver, some rice. And uh, your deer trimming, that's the first part of the tip. Get yourself a good boudin recipe or reach out. I'll be happy to give you one. But normally, after you make your boudin, if you can store it in the freezer, you stuff it and everything else. That way, otherwise, it's hard to get back out. But the most glorious way to eat boudin is to take it, thaw it out, squish it into a ball, heat your deep fryer up. But the secret is the flour, the egg wash, the breadcrumbs. But then 
two more times into the eggs and back into the breadcrumbs to where you get a good, thick crust. Oh, and also make sure your flour and breadcrumbs are seasoned. And then drop that into the fry daddy. Make sure it's a good deep fry and let that go. And my goodness, just biting through the breading, the crusty, spicy breading into that warm, lovely, soft venison with just a hint of liver and some rice and the the onions and the parsley. It's just the greatest breakfast of all time. So I guess there's two tips. One, learn to make boudin. Two, the three, the three, flour, egg, crumbs, egg, crumbs, egg, crumbs. Let it sit for five minutes into the hot, into the oil. Fantastic. Tip of the week. I like it. Mm. <clears throat> well, mine's pretty close to Jordan's, I was going to say. I, I just want to say this, this is the, I, the first time I can recollect that you actually had a tip of the week when Look, I brought about that question, but go ahead. It was about 20 <laughs> minutes ago. I went, oh, crap, the tip of the week, and I started thinking then. <laughs> I, I wrote mine down about 45 minutes ago. Okay, so I was about halfway. Anyways, um, mine's similar to Jordan's, but I think not just about just not killing anything because, you know, sometimes the killing one is a good memory too. But slow down, take the time to do something other than going to work and – you know, just doing the day-to-day stuff. Do something different. Spend time with your loved ones. Go hunting. And just enjoy life. It's not all about working and making money. Slow down. Take the time to do stuff you enjoy. I feel that. Well, we we don't go to work to live. No, we go to work so we can go hunting. Whoever came up with the work five off two, he can suck one. A real real fat one. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have said many a times it's it's pretty screwed up how Friday is so far from Monday, but Monday is so close to Friday. Yep. Yeah. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, keep in mind the guy that came up with the work five off two, they were coming off of work seven. Work seven, like. I'm yeah. just going to say. Well, we haven't made the transition. <laughs> eight, to eight, 18, 18 hours a day, yet, seven so. days a week. Yeah, that's I, live on the, uh, I live on the Big Rock Candy Mountain. I think we should hung, hang the guy who invented work. But um, yeah, okay. go ahead. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. But um, my t- tech tip of the week is uh, take a kid hunting, period. Whether it's someone in your family, someone that you know that is interested in it. Uh, take a kid hunting and piggybacking off of briars too. Is just spend time with your loved ones. If it's something they like to do, maybe, maybe you got an old grouchy grandpa. I know I got one. I need to get him out in the woods with me this year. Um, but I feel like that's one of those things that are really important. Absolutely, it is extremely enriching to take a kid hunting. I love even taking if it my ain't son. yours. So I, I, I think I think they get to the point like even where you take a, a person that's like getting older, they don't get around as well, or like they used to do it back in the day. They were guns blazing trails and you know doing their thing, and they get to that point where they're on the you know kind of like they don't feel they can do it on their own anymore. And you take them and do it. I feel like they get just as excited as a kid. So oh, absolutely. What I was going to get at is that 
whether you take a kid or you take someone who's never hunted before, because I've done both, right? Mm-hmm. I, well, I say I take, he's never hunted before. He was not very, the gentleman I speak of at this moment was, his experience hunting was his uncle would pick him up, they'd grab a six pack of tall boys from the gas station, and if the deer was on the, his uncle's side of the truck, he could rest on his arm. If it was on his side of the truck, he could rest on the windowsill of the pickup truck. That's how he hunted. So when this guy started hunting with me, it was teaching him everything he needed to know about actually going and stand hunting deer. Yeah. Uh, But what you come to find by taking a kid or taking an adult the same who's never hunted is they pose questions to you that make you question how much you know about hunting. Yes. Yeah. It's it's the same concept as Jim any, does that anything. to me every time I go taking duck hunting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Thank Jim. I never thought about that. It's the same. <laughs> it's like the same concept as anything. You know, like in order to be to learn, you have to teach. Oh yeah, no. In you, order to you teach, learned, you have to learn. You learn so much oh, more. Yeah. And I and I am thankful for the fact that I took Tristan hunting well before I had kids. This is my buddy Tristan. Yeah. I met him in the army, and I took him hunting well before I had kids because I had to teach a grown man how to hunt. Before I ever taught my six-year-old kid how to hunt. So it taught me a lot about teaching someone how to hunt. And it helps me to, I mean, I obviously have to break it down to a much simpler level to my son who's six. But the questions that, the same questions my six-year-old asks are the same questions that Tristan asks. And it's not because Tristan's, Tristan is as smart as a six-year-old. It's because they both come to the same conclusion of, well, you didn't inform me with this amount of knowledge. I need to know. Yeah. 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 And it's, it, it's, it's truly, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, you, I've learned more teaching someone how to hunt deer than I have hunting deer on my own. Yeah. Talking, talking deer, like especially deer hunting, because there's just so many variables, but you can just sit there and talk about it. And I, I mean, Think about why do you think podcasts got started? Yeah, you can sit there and yeah. talk about the same things over. Like if you really needed to, you could talk about whitetails behavior and all that good stuff a hundred times, and I mean, still come up with something new. Yeah, every time. absolutely. Yeah, but that's it. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but by the time you guys are listening to this, you have T minus five days, and it's crawfish boiled. That was going to be my tip of the week, too. I thought about making that the tip of the week was get your crawfish boil tickets, but I'm like, I, I would I say know. five days. You've got five days to with the crawfish boil. It's Monday, so you listen to it. If you, if you listen to it on Monday, yeah, and you, you've you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days. Friday. Oh, no, no. Ridge is going. Ridge is leaving Friday. Thursday. Oh, Thursday. Dang. Drives up Thursday. Picks up crawfish Friday morning. Drives his butt back down to Florida Friday. We boil him up Saturday. That's right. Well, we have we didn't have a whole lot of dead ones last year. We did not. No, almost six. very very few dead ones. We will see. We do not have an SUV this year. Ooh, which he had last year. Yeah, he's taking my pickup truck. Got a big cooler though. I we got two seventy fives. You want to throw in a one ten? I'll throw in a one ten. 
We got plenty. Three seventy fives if you need. Three seventy five. Well, I don't know if we can fit that many in that up a pickup That's truck. That's true. But I got no. a hitch hauler on the side of the there building. You go. So we, I mean, we, we may work. You probably don't want to have them exposed in to wind, ice, like wet ice. No, 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 no. You, you, want you just don't want them exposed wet, you want to, to the blocks, you, like the you don't, cool blocks. But you don't want them on ice either. What you don't want them to do is to dry out. Right. Yeah. So we keep them covered in the coolers outside of the wind, and they'd be better than being on ice because the cold is going to kill them too. Yeah. Right. That's just saying I think that you want to have at least one of those just nothing that's going to turn into liquid. I think you still want to have, you know, an ice block. To uh, keep the temperature from You know, plastic hot. things that are filling whatever the hell they are and, and throw one of those in there just to keep it reasonably cool. I'll leave that to the Cajun. All right. Yeah. I would think you want a little water in there, maybe. But we're going to boil the ever-loving shit out of some crawfish. Oh, yeah. Dude, it was a blast last year, and it's going to be a blast this year. So, I know for a fact we're taking two Yeti buckets, and we're going to give those away. Oh, shoot. Which I'll pick those up this week. Thank you, because I'm leaving Saturday. (laughs) My thought is we're hit that time of year, right? I got a lot of hunting stuff that I can throw in there that's hanging around, brand new in package. I think we should do one hunting bucket and one fishing bucket. Hmm. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. What do y'all think? Perfect. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. I know that has more outdoor products. We're going we're gonna to throw in a thing. I, I've got some stuff that's universal across climbers, and, and then I'm going to throw in a gift certificate so you can get one of their seats because – and I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna bring my climber with me because I'm hoping there's a pine tree about the right size there. I'll bring mine too for guys to try. We don't need two, but for guys to try out that seat because that seat is creme de la creme. What, what, what's the price point on it? Like was it like twenty bucks, twenty five dollars, thirty bucks? Maybe? Yeah, no, the hats. The seat's not expensive. The seat's not expensive, and it's no. worth it. But if you buy the seat, I would recommend you buy the backrest as well because yeah. that it, it. Like for me, dude, I've Just got back that problems. Lumbar. I've got I. I have back problems. I've got three herniated discs in my back, and I've never been more comfortable in a climber seat than I was in that has more seat with that little back pad. And looking at it, you wouldn't think it'd be very comfortable. But no, it's a lot son, let me tell you, is. I looked at that seat and I said, that sucker's comfortable. <laughs> That's not what I saw. Dude, I knew for a fact. But when, when I, I sat in it, it yeah. when I sat in it, it's yeah. there. Yeah, it's there. But. Buy your crawfish tickets. It's you, you're cutting it close, but we'll still give you some crawfish. Real close, man. And then uh, the week after that, we're on the Swanee River. Yes, sir. I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah. Other than that, we'll catch you guys next week. Sounds we'll good. See. Hunter, thank you for joining us. Always. <laughs>